girls I join Day, Miss Amarin. How are you today? And a good day to you, ma'am. I am doing quite well. Quite well today. Amarin is uh, coming back to the land of the living, everybody. She's been in, what would the QAnon say, people say about what you've been doing for the past two weeks? Faking it, I guess. She's been faking it, everyone. Faking it, lying, laying low. Um, yeah, many things. I don't know. I've been... Um, I've had the government hoax that is COVID um, these last few these last few days feels like last few years of my life at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, it went through another round of that baby. So crawling my little booty out of that uh, small hole that we are all <laughs> keeping away from <laughs> in today's day and age. It's a it's a government hoax that sounds like feels almost like a virus gosh sometimes i could almost swear to you that it's a virus but i don't know there were times in which i even had a fever but you know the body will go to extraordinary lengths to protect the government so to corroborate with the government yeah don't get me started it's your own little co-intelpro <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That got me good. That, that got, me, got me laughing good there. I love it. All right. Oh well, we're moving far away from COINTELPRO today. Uh, the people we'll be talking about today have definitely never heard of that term, do not know there was a revolution, are not familiar with feminism. And they are people who I have lived with and loved. Amarin, who are they? Oh, my gosh. Is it time for us to talk about the Amish? Oh my goodness. It's the day. Wow. Yeah. So nothing could have prepared me for the arrival of this day. This is truly an exceptional. And for those, I don't know, maybe you're listening to this episode and you've never listened to an episode of Colts I Joined before. And for those listeners, I just want to say, um, Jesse and Jesse's love affair with the Amish, which is probably not the way I should say that, um, has is a big part of what brought us, I feel like, to having this podcast. So actually, yeah, I think you're right. Being here today is, yeah, this feels very, mm, feels full circle, feels very exciting. I've been looking forward to this for a while. So we got a good one today, folks. Yeah, I actually, I think you're right. I think we can attribute this entire show to the Amish. Like, yes, I've lived for longer times in many other weird communities to varying degrees of weirdness, but it is definitely my love of the Amish that I would talk about the most and with the most passion. Um, yeah, kind of where my heart is. Yes, absolutely. And the clothes, oh boy, I'm. we're going to be getting there, but that's... Don't get me started. <laughs> I knew that you would... I wasn't sure if I'd see like brief rage or mania in your eyes when when I said it because that I know is going to be a big part so we won't get ahead of ourselves but I'm excited Amron I just realized this is just a little like treat for me to you but so Amron and I uh, it looks like you are recording in your office I'm recording in my closet which is also my office uh it's a little walk-in closet that has a mirror and a desk or uh, not a mirror it does have a mirror but it's a window uh, I say that to say <laughs> in my little closet uh, are my clothes on one side and like a little desk and work area with a window on the other side. And also my prayer altar where I sit on the ground and do my praying and meditating. And so I just realized from here, I can lean over and pick up my prayer cap from when I lived with the Amish. 
There it is. This is my, so it's, it's a black little prayer cap. Hmm. That's a flat brim on the front and a poof in the back, kind of like a bonnet uh, with little black strings. Um, I may or may not still wear this and and pray in this out of habit. I love it. (laughs) So (laughs) beautiful. I will verify for the people at home that she did pull that out and it was real. Yes, it is true. (laughs) I just I just realized that was like literally within reach as we talk about that. Sorry, we'll get into it. Okay. how fun. Wow. That is so cool. So um, I actually didn't print up a ton of info on the Amish. I'm going to give you the deets, like the, you know, the the history, like the little book report on the Amish so that so that everyone's on the same page, because uh, probably other people aren't as steeped in this as I am and, and need to know the actual information. But for the most part, I'm we're just going to chat because. Uh, I I have so many great memories and it's easy for me to talk about this. And so mostly we'll just ch- chatty chat about it, but I'll give you the, the rundown first. How does that sound? That sounds fantastic. Guys, Amarin is speaking for all of you. She says yes. I said yes. So I hope you're all in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here we go. I'm just going to read you some basics. Uh, we... We talked about the precursor to the Amish and the overall subgroup that the Amish is a part of in season one. They were called, Amber, do you remember? Um, the Mennonites. No. the um, Oh, this is COVID brain, straight up. This is... Um, oh, I'm, that's unfair of me. It's the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So it was close. Same branch, but not, yes, the Anabaptists. <laughs> They were all Anabaptists at one point, and some might argue Waldensians before that. Um, (laughs) The Amish would. (laughs) The Waldensians would not. But that's a turf war we don't have to fight about. Um, Not today. So, uh, So the Amish started out as Anabaptists back in Europe, and we remember their history there. We remember that they had to hide from uh, the churches and the government, and they were constantly being hanged and burned alive. And because of that, they have a whole book called The Martyr's Mirror, which is a collection of all of their direct ancestors who were burned or murdered by the state for practicing Anabaptism, which is translates to being against baptism of of infants specifically. So those are the Anabaptists. The split came here. Let me get into it here. <clears throat> Group of traditionalist Anabaptist Christian church fellowships with Swiss and German Alsatian origins, closely related to Mennonite churches. Da, 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 da. Okay. I'm actually, that's a lot of rambling. Basically they split from the, so the Anabaptists split into the Amish and the Mennonites in 1693. At that time, uh, the Amish people left with, well, they weren't called that that yet. The split was over. The split was over um, specifically shunning. Um, And so the Anabaptists were fighting over how you shun. The more conservative Anabaptists were following a man named Jacob Amman, A-M-M-A-N-N. Jacob Amon. So they were following him. They were the more conservative. They believe that when somebody disobeys the church, you shun them, not only from church, but from your dinner table, from your family. You don't take money from them. You don't touch them. So it was a complete shunning, right? And the people who were following Menno Simmons, who later became the Mennonites, uh, 
believe that you shun from church, but not from home and family, which is a less conservative stance. And so that is the fundamental split in the 1600s that took Anabaptists, which they still all are Anabaptists, but it split them into Anabaptist Amish and Anabaptist Mennonites. Yes. And then from there down through the centuries, many, 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 many splinter groups have uh, formed so that there are extremely uh, liberal Amish down to extremely conservative. <laughs> it's, it's like I have mm-hmm. COVID brain. <laughs> conservative Amish. Yeah. Um, and, and same for Mennonites. There are there are Mennonites that walk around that you wouldn't know are Mennonites because they don't dress differently, which would obviously be the very most liberal, all the way to horse and buggy Mennonites who also live without cars or electricity, right? And everything in between. Amish don't go as far as uh, not looking Amish. They are the far more conservative of the two branches. And their split is still over shunning. They've, they've developed over time into two diff- very different cultures, but the split is still over shunning. Um, so that is still the fundamental difference between them. Um, Amish church membership begins with adult baptism, usually between the ages of 16 and 23. That's kind of the other fundamental thing of, of any Anabaptist is you don't join the church till you choose to as an adult. Um, Church districts have between 20 and 40 families and worship services are held every other Sunday. In the Amish, you don't have church every Sunday, you have it every other Sunday. So something that you often, if I'm hanging out with Amish, I always say like, is this a church Sunday for you or is this your off week? Because that's a really, you know, that really dictates a lot of how their week goes. Um, And services are held in members' homes or barns. The rules of the church, the ordnung, which differ uh, to some extent between each different district, are reviewed twice a year by all members of the church. That includes women. The ordnung must be observed by every member and covers many aspects of day-to-day living, including prohibitions or limitations on the use of electricity, telephones, automobiles, as well, well as regulations on clothing. Generally, a heavy emphasis is placed on church and family relationships. The Amish typically operate their own one-room schools and discontinue formal education after the eighth grade. Um, As present Anabaptists, Amish church members practice non-resistance, and they do not uh, participate in any kind of military service at all. They also don't pay Social Security taxes. They pay all other taxes, but not Social Security. That was put into law by the IRS in the 60s. Um, <clears throat> because they religiously do not draw from social security. So they're, they just don't participate mm-hmm. in that at all. Uh, if they employ right. English people, they pay into that system for those English people, but they themselves don't pay in or out of it. Um, right. The term it's Amish okay. was used as, uh, they would say, a name, Shadanam, they would say. Uh, which is a term of disgrace in 1710 by opponents of Jacob Amon. So at first they were like, it was a shot which means like, um, it's a me. Oh, so you're Amish. Nice. But they were like, like, mm. it seems like every culture, right? The Quakers did it, but women do it today. People of color do it today. They were like, yeah, what you call me Amish again? It's a great name. So, <laughs> yes. Please, <laughs> let's go. I love it. Uh, the division was, again, as we saw with the Quakers and as we see in most things, uh, that that division that split the Amish and Mennonites into the groups that they became was also a division between rural people and more urban people, even of that, you know, of that time. So the more rural people at the time were called the Oberlanders. 
Um, and they were a more extreme congregation. Their zeal pushed them to be in more remote areas because they they wanted to be more separate, and therefore they became the more conservative. Um, Swiss Anabaptism developed from this point in two parallel streams um, and continued. So now and for probably ever, the Amish and Mennonites develop in parallel, but into more and more diverging. Okay cultures mm-hmm. visually to us right if that makes sense um the amish began began migrating to pennsylvania um as we talked about when we were talking about the anabaptists they all had to come over here they all had to leave europe because they were all being just mm-hmm. burned at the stake so they all came over they migrated mostly to pennsylvania why pennsylvania amarin i don't know why pennsylvania jesse because the quakers were there because the quakers were there that makes sense yes yeah, sorry sorry uh <laughs> This is a fun week where, uh, unlike my usual trivia happy braggadocious self, um, I really am being put on the rails. <laughs> I don't know some of these questions, which is which is very funny. I like the change up, but yes, because well, also you know, I am also being my most typical self, which is like you know that obscure Amish thing that everybody knows about that specific thing that you know and i know yes of course i love it i love it (laughs) i've i've cornered you at the party and now we're talking about schadenfreude yes exactly i love it so sorry my apologies everybody um Yes, yeah, so they 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 went to Pennsylvania because the Quakers were settling there, and they saw the Quakers as the most closely related to their own uh, brand of freedom of religion. Yes, so they went there. They also were notoriously nice to the natives at the time. Now they, of course, are white people moving onto native land. However, they historically never directly displaced uh, native people because it was actually specifically against their religion to do so. Um, so. I'm not saying they weren't part of a movement that still did what it did, but they certainly didn't specifically displace anyone. And in fact, mm-hmm. there there's one great historical story where an Amish family, a large, more of a small Amish settlement, it was a couple of groups of people, were attacked by Native Americans. This was right around the French and Indian Wars. So they were attacked by Native Americans mm-hmm. in a fighting time. Um, and and they are uh, radically peaceful. So they the boys started to take up arms against the Native Americans. The parents said, do not take up arms. The Native Americans killed the parents uh, and took the boys uh, prisoner. The boys were prisoners of the Native Americans for several years. Mm. And wow. then, yeah, and then eventually were released and just back to the Amish. Oh, what an interesting time the 16 and 1700s were. A very different one and so intriguing. Yes. <laughs> also, here it says, uh, let me just read this little blurb here. As early as 1809, Amish were farming side by side with Native American farmers in Pennsylvania. Um, the Amish and Quakers were known to incorporate Native Americans into their families to protect them during the Indian Removal Act of 1832. So, you know, just worth noting. I think that that's interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah. Um, Moving into more of the culture, uh, probably most people know that Amish people and to a lesser degree Mennonites, but specifically Amish people speak what they call Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, and they refer to non-Amish people as English, regardless of their ethnicity, right? So anybody not Amish is English. We are all English, including me. Oh, yeah. Um, and then 
anybody Amish. So when they say, when they refer to someone as Amish, that, that too is not, they are ethnically mostly Swiss and German, but they are, when they mm-hmm. say Amish, it's not an ethnic uh, division. It, they're referring to anybody that's in their community. So there are people of color yeah. who actually usually are adopted into the community because they adopt a lot of children. Um, but there are people of color in their community and that's, it's not an ethnic thing that makes you Amish. It's just being a member of that community or not. So Amish is Amish, right. not Amish is English. All Amish people speak Pennsylvania Dutch in their homes and families. They, it is their mm. primary language. So they don't learn English until they go to school. So I've seen so many English people get invited into Amish houses and they're very well-meaning and they're always very excited to be there. Who can blame them? Um, and they always like go out of, out of their way to like try to enchant the children, right? Like, oh, look how cute you yeah. are. Oh, blah, 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 blah. So they always try to talk to the children. But be warned, English people, Amish children do not speak English. They don't speak None. English. If they are not very, very little. Well, if they're not school age, they don't speak. So Pennsylvania Dutch is actually at this point a blend of English and German. Yeah, that's why I say very, very little, because they do a lot depending on the community, some of them I mean, they speak fractured English. And you can understand them sometimes when they speak Pennsylvania Dutch when they're kids. I'll say. Yes. Yes, and because of the German English word base and similarities too is a nice bonus as well. Yes, that's that's also true. And I should add that there is in German there is High German and there is Low German, and they don't they are not rec- you can speak one and not really understand the other. Um, so they're they're separate enough that they don't tie in easily with each other, right? And so their um, hymnals and their Bibles are in high German, but Amish people do not speak high German. They speak low German. Uh, Pennsylvania Dutch is a blend of low German and English and more or less English, depending on where you are. If you go in between the communities, often as an Amish person, you have to speak English to each other because your dialects are different. Right. Right if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I, I love the, the language. I love being there. But yeah, if you're talking to a kid that looks like they haven't started kindergarten, they don't speak English and you look like a fool. Yes, they don't know what you mean when the things you're saying are a lot. The best thing to do in speaking with Amish children is smile at them if you want to. They do like smiling sometimes or playing peekaboo. Very good one. They really like peekaboo. Another thing that I learned that just delights them until they're about to fall over in giggles is I turn on. Now, Amish do allow even in the the community I lived in was one of the most strict in the country. And even they allow for flashlights, battery operated flashlights. That's fine. That's as far as they'll go. But batteries sometimes. Yep. Occasionally sneak in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for flashlights, because you got to go to the outhouse. So flashlights are okay. That's the end of that. But so it wasn't really a problem for me to turn on my phone. Also, I'm I'm English. I can do what I want. But I try to stay in the bounds of the home I'm in. But it's anyway, it's okay for them if I turn on the flashlight on my phone because it's still just a flashlight. So I delight non-English speaking Amish children with uh, finger shadow puppets. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, very nice. Yeah. I'm, I've become a master of that. So that's... Ah. 
That's terrific. To everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I've really gone off the rails here. I didn't mean to talk this long about the language, but um, I will say this. This is a funny story that I have in reference to the language. When I was going to live with the Amish, at first I was going in and out, right? I'd stay for a weekend, I'd stay for a week, and then I'd, you know, I'd come in and out a little bit. And so at other times I would be staying in town with my mother or back on my commune. And so I had a friend who was trying to teach me German so that I could understand some of what was happening in the Amish community, right? Because they only speak English to me. So I don't right. know the conversations that are happening around me. Right. And I'd like to. Right. So she's te she's teaching me German, but she will only teach me embarrassing, useless phrases because she thinks it's hilarious. OK, so most of them are so offensive. I can't say them at all to the Amish, okay. which she thinks is really funny. But she taught me to say one non sequitur uh, in German, which is ich bin ein Bleistief, which means I am a pencil. <laughs> So, so I will Terrific. add that the Amish are so funny. They're so lighthearted. They make jokes all oh, of yes. the time, but they make very sweet, innocent, old fashioned jokes. They don't do deadpan. They don't even recognize it as a form of humor mm -mm. and they uh, do not do sarcasm. And, and that's all I do. So yes, it was very hard for them to translate when I was joking, they, they really struggled with that. So I say all that to say my first day in Amish church, I go and uh, I'm really aware of first impressions because there's a family in the community that I joined who had been English and at that point had been Amish for 20 years and they had 20 children. Wow. Right. Okay. So that is intense. <laughs> I'm still processing that. Sorry. Go ahead. Go on. Everybody I talked to told me the same story. When I said I was going to church for the first time, they all said, oh, you should have been there when so-and-so came to Amish church for the first time. She dyed her dress black so that she would be wearing the right dress. But there were flower print on the dress. And so the flowers soaked the dye in differently. So you could still tell there was a flower print. Oh, my gosh. This is 20 years later. They're still telling the story of her embarrassing all black, but still flower printed dress. <laughs> so, uh, you know, on the first day of church, I'm like, Oh, how bad am I going to mess this up? <laughs> you know? That is amazing. <laughs> so, oh. so I come in and they're like, have you been learning any German so that you can understand some of our church? Cause church is actually spoken in high German, uh, which is, which means that, you don't understand all of it, but it's still performed in high German. Yeah. The community that I, yeah, the community that I grew up in around in up and around in, um, spoke exclusively low German and of course, and their services were so rigidly high German that there truly was zero comprehension between actual, like they, they, it was a, Sacred. I mean, I, I wouldn't say zero comprehension. That's uh, comprehension's too specific of a word there. But literal language understanding was limited and didn't exist in this case. Um, yeah, and I think that there are levels. Yeah, I think that there are definitely levels of engagement on within the Amish that we do see a little bit more. But yeah, very commonly there. This is like a big feature in my understanding. Yes, of of the service. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact. Um they only, uh, a Bible printed in Pennsylvania Dutch or in low German has only been printed, like it has only existed in like the last 10 years currently right now. So 
only very recently have they even had a Bible that wasn't at best their second language. Wow. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That's a powerful thing to hear. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so let me finish the story and then we'll I'll move on. Uh, so I go to church. It's my first time there. I'm loving everything about it. I'm. It's extremely overwhelming. It's really beautiful. And one of the women, they've all been waiting for me, right? Oh my gosh, there's an English girl who wants to join the Amish. She's coming to church, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm very much being expected and showcased. So um, they're very, very nice to me. Very welcoming. One of them said, uh, don't, they said, don't feel uncomfortable that we're speaking a language you don't understand. Nobody's talking about you. Don't feel uncomfortable. And then another girl said, well, they probably are talking about you, but they're That's not saying so anything mean. <laughs> So, so the, this woman said, um, so are you, have you learned any German so you can understand some of the church? And I said, oh yeah, ich bin ein Bleistief. And she was like, oh, you're good then. <laughs> and everybody just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's better than me. Um, no, everyone stopped talking and stared at me. And I was like, eh, ich bin ein Bleistief. And they continued staring at me. And I said, I am a pencil. <laughs> And the the Amish woman who had asked me goes, oh, we just say, she goes, oh, we just say pencil. That's so funny. They they were like, huh? Like they didn't even, because Pennsylvania Dutch is a blend. And then someone else was like, oh, the word for pen is this, so I can see how you get there. And they were like, oh. So about a minute later, they were all like, oh, that's funny. You're funny. You're clever. We get it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. That's a great example. Yeah. Of the of the language diversity, for sure. Yeah, it was. <laughs> they didn't even even my German joke didn't land because they speak a blend of German and they didn't know the German pencil. <laughs> so they're like, oh, we just say pencil. <laughs> we would just say pencil in that it's, case. But thanks. Yeah, good, good joke, though, I guess. You'll fit in great here. Oh, well. Here, I have to tell you one more uh, Amish sarcasm thing. It just, my jokes never stopped flopping and I never stopped trying to tell them, Uh, but they did get kind of used to me and sort of get on guard for my sarcasm. So totally different time, different church uh, event. And I was, I was there with a different Amish friend of mine. Um, So I was in her house going to her church service. And the, when you go to church, I'll get into this more later, but um, Churches in people's houses. And so every single house is set up to host church, which is to say they're all very big boxes with very open floor plans and wide doorways so that you can, and the furniture is very not elaborate. So it's very easy to push it to the side. You, uh, a black buggy rolls into the yard during that week, which is an easy way to know where church will be that week. Um, And they pull out all these little, very small, narrow backless benches, and then they pop them all up in the church. And so every house can accommodate about 300 people inside of it, um, Mm. which is why there are more and more church districts because a church district splits when it can't fit in somebody's house anymore. So it's like 20 to 40 families are in a church district, depending on how many kids that family has, right. Or all of the families have. So all that to say, so, and then it's this beautiful, beautiful, elaborate ceremony that you do at the beginning of every single church service where the men and the women file in, uh, in two different lines from two different doors and they all shake each other's hand. 
right? And then the women sit on one side of the house, the men sit on the other side of the house. They're not in the same room together. You can see each other through the open doorways. The preacher stands in kind of the center doorway of the house so that, and yells so that everybody can hear him. Um, hmm. and, and, but then all of the men go by and greet each other and all of the women go by and greet each other and they all do a holy kiss. You kiss hmm. on the side of each mouth. All the men do it and all the women do it it's to each other. The, the men and women okay. shake hands. Then the men kiss the men and the women kiss the women. And then everybody sits down and it's really beautiful and amazing. So while this is going on and it's so beautiful, my friend, my friend said, can you tell which one is my husband? And I said, yeah, he's the one with the beard. Is that right? <laughs> and everybody stared at me again and they were like, uh, they, um, they all have beards. And I was like, eh? <laughs> they were like, oh, no, you're funny. <laughs> they were like, oh, it is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so never, never quit. All right. That was a long, that was a long, uh, trip away from me talking about language. Um, so let me get back to the little notes here. Today, almost all Amish are functionally bilingual in Pennsylvania, Dutch, and English. That is true. Uh, finally, the Amish read prayers. Oh, we just talked about this, the high and low German, so I won't reread the stats. But I thought this was really interesting. Pennsylvania Dutch is one of a handful of minority languages in the United States that is neither endangered nor supported by continual arrivals of immigrants. So what happened, I'll shorten this a little bit by sort of summing up um, what happened in the early 20th century. You'll recall we had that war with Germany. It made Germans very unpopular and it made people here stop speaking German. So until uh, World Wars One and Two, German was actually so commonly spoken in America that the fact that Amish and a lot of Mennonite people spoke German primarily actually didn't uh, single them out at all. Like if you think back to when you read Little House on the Prairie as a child, there were lots of even in Little Women in in Little House, there are always exclusively German speaking neighbors. Yeah, that's true. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a very common language to be a primary language for people's families back, particularly if you were slightly poorer um, and more rural, not always, but just generally speaking. Um and so when World War One and Two came along, people here were so heavily persecuted if they sp spoke German that they stopped doing it. And so at that point, then only Anabaptists were primarily German speaking. And so it's interesting now that that is uh, very much a minority language in our country, but the Amish are growing so fast. They're one of the fastest growing populations um, in the world, as far as rate of growth goes, because they have so many kids, right? That's exclusive. They don't recruit at all. Um, but they have so many kids, they're, ex they're exploding in their numbers. And so this minority language is growing fully independent of, you know, like with native languages, people have to start programs to keep them alive or, or with other, you know, if you speak Italian in America, you need other Italian speakers to come over to kind of keep that going. But the Amish is growing so rapidly and German is their first language. So it's just an interesting like little phenomenon. That, that is I very interesting. That was notable. Yeah. I thought hmm. so too. Yeah. 
Um, so as I said earlier, Amish and Mennonites over the years have just like splintered, 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 splintered into a million different kinds of groups. You know, there are Amish that there's like one community of Amish. I think they're in Pennsylvania. They're somewhere on the East Coast where they they only have yellow uh, covers for their buggies. Okay. Just one, just one community that just has yellow covered buggies. That's the rule. I don't know what the logic is. Photographers really like them because they hit the light nicely, I guess. Um, Very interesting. Um, But there are all different, I mean, like, because they're so strict that if, if there is much of a, like, for example, here where I lived in the community I lived, um, there's a split between the Amish that live on a highway in this town and the Amish that live on C highway Uh. in this town. And to be very clear, I was a part of C highway, Mm. not a highway who we do not speak to. Uh. And the split, as I understand it is over uh, smoking tobacco. So a highway smokes tobacco. C highway does not smoke tobacco. And I mean, they don't speak. They don't speak. They don't intermarry. They don't like each other. And I will regularly say like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Or do you know that business over on this highway? And they're like, no. They're like, excuse me. No. Yeah. I don't. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. Excuse you. Serious <laughs> So I have a list here. Yes. So there are over 40 different Old Order Amish affiliations that are known. But I'm going to read you um, by most conservative up to least conservative, the most common um, uh, groups, right? So most conservative to least, Schwartz and Truber, Nebraska, Swiss, Buchanan. So those are the more conservative. I lived with the Swiss Amish, which are considered the most conservative. Them and the Schwartz and Truber are the most, most conservative. Then there's Danner, Holmes Old Order, Ek. Elkhart LaGrange, Lancaster. So now we're coming over to the much more uh, liberal Lancaster, Napanee and Kelowna. So those are the more liberal. So within, and, and it is quite a range. I mean, I'm talking like the most liberal, they've got much smaller head coverings. They've got much less structured dresses. They've got not patterns on their dresses, but they could have a texture, like a window pane weave to their fabric. They, which is a lot when you're talking about coated clothing. It's quite a difference. Um, their caps are white. Their buggies are covered. They have a lot of conveniences. They have refrigerators, um, lights. They're all gas powered, but they're still refrigerators and lights. You know, <laughs> like they're, it's quite, they have cell phones. Mm-hmm. It's quite a difference yeah. to where in the community that I lived in. Right. Um, and I didn't know I was joining the most conservative group in the country when I just randomly knocked on a door. I literally knocked on a sure. door and was like, hey, I'd like to be Amish. What do I do? And I just so happened to knock on the door of that Amazing. family that used to be English. Meant to be. Wow. Of all the Amish houses and all the land. Right. So, um, but it was very nice because uh, they more easily spoke English with me. Um, And there happened to be another family who had joined who used to be English in the community, which is quite rare. And they spoke English in their house because they were just learning the Dutch. And so it was, it was nice for me to have homes in which people talked more English so that I could better understand what was going on. Anyway, um, in the group, it was, it was, I love that. That's a really cool opportunity that you had that wouldn't yeah, necessarily happen to just anybody trying to join an Amish community. 
For sure. It felt like a real gift, you know, mm-hmm. when I joined. So so um, describing the more conservative group that I was a part of, uh, we only could wear colors that were shades of blue, shades of gray uh, or black, shades of brown, blue, gray, brown. That's it. Um, all shades of blue, all shades of gray and brown, plenty of shades, um, only a black apron unless you're at a wedding. Um, or like a few church events. So black apron, black head covering, the cover covering was much larger, covers your ears, covers much more of your head. Um, oh, uh, the buggies were not covered at all, only open buggies at all times in all weather. So I've never been in a covered buggy, which I would love to check out, but I've never been in one because they don't have them in the community that I stayed in, only open. So if it's raining, you have like really good umbrellas, but all you have is an umbrella. If it's snowing, you have really good blankets, but all you have is a blanket. Um, So, uh, oh, um, nothing on the walls whatsoever, even cabinets. So yeah, so there could be in each room, there could be one very small shelf that could hold a clock and two kerosene lamps only kerosene for light, um, only wood stove for cooking, except in the summer you could use a kerosene burner stove, no gas. Um, So just extremely conservative, right? Not even shelves on the walls. Um, What, what that meant to me was like, it was, it was the most plain and beautiful and clean and clear space I've ever been in. I think my full aesthetic in how I live and how I dress will forever be affected by that. I, I, when my Amish friends visit my house, they seem more comfortable. And I, I think it reads a little Amish to them. I'm not like decorating my house Amish, but, but I, I was very moved by the plainness and when I saw other Amish people's houses in other communities, I found it like shocking and upsetting. <laughs> like, what are you doing with this gas light on your ceiling? Why is there a couch in your house? <laughs> you know, so it was very, very beautiful. Um, all right, back to this. Um, there are also things called para Amish groups. Um, it says here several other groups called para Amish. Um, share merit, many characteristics with the Amish, uh, such as a horse and buggy transportation, plain dress, and preservation of the German language. Members of these groups are largely of Amish origin, but are not in fellowship with other Amish groups because they adhere to theological doctrines that are more liberal. Generally by liberal, I don't mean their politic- politics are more liberal. I actually mean that they have started reading um, the Bible more. Because as we said, Amish are actually, they don't really lean on the Bible that much. It's in there, obviously in their sermons, but they're, they're, most of their beliefs are based on what their culture does and not on, um, they're, they, they don't believe in assurance of salvation as a doctrine. Um, one of their tenets of faith is that they, you are never assured of your salvation. That would be way too cocky. So you, you, um, you just always have to hope for the best and keep trying and hoping that God loves you. So when people leave the Amish over theological things, it's usually because people are actually trying to be more um, in direct contact with Jesus or God. 
They want to lean more into like the gospel. They might even want to proselytize. And so that's a hard no for traditional Amish. So when you're talking about para Amish groups, they're usually people who keep the lifestyle, but shift over to a more almost you might call evangelical kind of group. Right. Okay. Going Christian Mm -hmm. with it. They're going Christian with it. Yes. So some of these subgroups are called, there are the Old Order Mennonites. Uh, there's the traditional Schwartz and Trow Brethren, Old Order River Brethren. Um, and uh, let's see, mm-hmm. there's a lot of names, but that it's just, it's kind of this interesting, they'll often have the word brethren in them or Bruderhof, which is the German for brethren. And that is going to be the people who have left um, the organization of being Amish, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, let's get into the religious practices. Two key concepts for understanding Amish practices are their rejection of Hochmut, which is pride, arrogance, and haughtiness. And that's why they don't believe in assured salvation. That would be Hochmut, right? Uh, And the high value they place on Demut, which is humility, and Glassenheicht. Uh, which is calmness, composure, and placidity, often translated as submission or letting be. Glassenheit is perhaps better understood as a reluctance to be forward, to be self-promoting, or to to assert oneself. Um, A friend of mine who is Amish asked me to sell her Amish dolls on Etsy for her, and I... I did. And I wrote, you know, oh, my friend so-and-so makes these beautiful dolls. And I guess somebody found the listing and showed it to her. And she contacted me and was like, please take my name out of that. Don't use my name. Um, because it was too proud to like promote herself. You know, um, I used to subscribe to an Amish newspaper and uh, people would write in and give uh Every single community would write in every week and give a one paragraph blurb about what was going on in their community. Somebody's barn burned. Somebody's barn got built. A crop came in. It was really muddy and everybody got stuck in the mud, whatever. Oh, here's a funny story that happened. Um, and when people, mostly women, would write them, they usually don't use their names. They'll usually say Mrs. Aaron Schroeder or a wife or a mother. So... I just think that's that's a really important part of their culture is to not be proud. The Amish anti-individualist orientation is the motive for rejecting labor-saving technologies that might make one less dependent on the community. So I'll I'll let me just see if there are any other notes that matter to me here. So as I said, every every community is structured by their own ordnung, which is the rules of that community. Every ordnung is different from community to community, and each community votes on their ordnung. So with now within the Swiss Amish, they pretty much keep it all the same. There are going to be very limited differences between five Swiss Amish settlements across five states. Um, does that kind of make sense? So then like, you know, uh, the beachy Amish, who are the most liberal are going to be radically different than the Swiss Amish who are the most strict, but the beachy Amish everywhere are going to be kind of the same. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm definitely following. Okay, so everyone has their own ordnung. You can mm-hmm. expect if you go to another Swiss settlement, it's this it's their ordnung is going to be almost identical to yours but might have a few differences. And if you go to a beachy settlement, it's going to be radically different than yours, but they're still keeping to their ordnung if that makes sense. 
Um, Amish church membership begins with baptism, which is usually between the ages of 16 and 23. This is a requirement for marriage within the Amish church. Once a person is baptized within the church, he or she may marry only within the faith. Um, church districts have, I told you, between 20 and 40 families. Um, each district is led by a bishop and then several ministers and deacons who are chosen by a combination of election and um God's hand. So the way that you would choose uh, the deacon of your church is you draw lots, right? So the church membership would meet and they would say, who do you think is worthy to be a preacher? And they might narrow it down to three to five names, right? That's who they voted on and said, this person seems worthy to be a preacher. Then they put those names in a hat and they draw the hat and that's how they let God choose. And so I have an Amish friend who recently, uh, well, he left the Amish and joined the old order Mennonites, but they do the same thing. And they, his name had been put in the hat and he was like, well, you just pray for me that, you know, God doesn't choose me, <laughs> which is usually, it's not a paid position. It's just a lot of responsibility. So... <laughs> Um, often people don't want to be chosen, but if you're chosen, that is that. They really do believe that God's hand is in absolutely everything, that God sees you at every moment. They really do believe. It's another thing that's interesting, I think, is that in the Amish, like, sure, you can't be gay. Sure, you can't have your hair an inch too long or too short. They're not kidding about any of their rules. But one thing that is maybe sort of relaxing is that gay is no different than your hair an inch or too long or too short. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. Yes. Yes. This is, I actually love, okay, this is my first talking break to say. So I'm sorry. I've really rambled. Go ahead. I love, no, 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 no. I don't mean that you've been rambling. I just mean like, this is the first time that I'm like, I really want to say something very quick. And that's that I love this. I love the equal weight thing. And I love that it, I think that is so smart because I think it goes hand in hand with the tenets we were just talking about of humility and calmness, right? Because it makes sense that you wouldn't be able to judge or weigh out like how wrong, like that's a stressful, non-calm thing anxiety inducing thing to put on a human and I personally am like why would we be responsible for looking at each other and making assessments right like I don't know what's going on with you um so how could I right like even if we lived in community it's hard right and um and so I love that because the way and it's evident if you've ever interacted with Amish people for a sustained period of time that lack of judgment, despite their intense level of rules, is very evident. And I don't know that that's true for a lot of groups. And it, it, yeah, it's like a really special call out that I have to say the Amish, like through and through in my experience, having been in multiple different communities of different types of Amish. Um, but of course, my most experience being with the, the one that I grew up nearest. Um, yeah, it's it is evident that there is a lack of judgment and a lack of like assuming that they could judge or know anything about that. Like I just said, which I just think is so pure and nice. It just is such a good energy, guys. I love it. I also love it. And it really, truly is like, look, if you're being Amish, we're going to be on you about being Amish. And, you know, people who are in the church and don't have good feelings about it, people who have left the Amish, basically, you know, their critique is obviously like, 
These people are too strict. They are too all up in your business. Stop checking to see if I enjoy using chopsticks. It's not going to kill me. You know, like there, but, and that's fine. There was too much for you. It wasn't made for you. Um, but if you, the only time that the Amish are harsh in judging is with people who have also joined the church, which you do not do until you make an adult decision. Now, you can definitely make the argument that you don't have much of a choice if you were born and raised Amish and you don't want to leave your family. Fair enough. But you don't get shunned for not joining the Amish, even in the most conservative and most strict. You do not get shunned for not joining the Amish. You get shunned for making a promise to God and breaking that promise to God. And it's why they have, you know, I didn't even put it in my notes, but it's, they're famous for having what they call the Rumspringa, right? Which is the called, it's considered to be the running around time. I'm sure there are documentaries about it. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people don't know about this, but I assume we all do. That's a time <laughs> between the age of 16 and whenever they join the church. Loosely, it's right. between like 16 and 18 to 16 and 20. Uh, it's called the Rumspringa, but it's, it's called the, it's, they consider the running around time. And what that means is that's the time that you're going to go out and check it out. Because when you make a decision, it needs to be an informed decision and you cannot go back on it. Right. So right. the it's running around time, you can dress English, you can go to parties, you can do anything. You can get a license and a car. Now, depending on where you are in your community, you may or may not, it may or may not be cool. Like in a more loose community, you would get a car. You wouldn't park it at the farm. You wouldn't shove it in anybody's face. But the parents would very knowingly turn their head, right? Um, I, in the community that I stayed in, being very strict, I never witnessed people. Like in Lancaster, they have just crazy room spring of parties that are just like keggers and ragers that are all crazy Amish people. There's a great documentary called The Devil's Playground, Um where it really documents the room spring of time. And boy, they have some raging parties. I have never been to a raging Amish party. I suspect they don't much happen where I was, but it's entirely possible that I just don't know. I was 21. I was hanging out with the people who were not quite joined in the church yet. Um, so you'd think I could have gone to the party, but who knows? Who knows what they didn't tell me? There's, I'm sure plenty they didn't tell me. So I don't know. That's fair. They're just doing all kinds of fun stuff. I, I love it. But they really, you can go as crazy as you want in theory in Room Springa. And the point is that you are making an informed decision. You understand what you're rejecting. And once you decide, you decide. So if you are Amish, you're raised Amish, and then you decide, no, I am not going to join the church. Your family might be really mad at you. There's a varying degree of how any family yeah. treats you when you leave your church in anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Or when you don't become a doctor or when you decide you're gay or whatever, you know, families vary in how they treat you, but you will not be shunned by the church in any Amish community if you did not join the church. You're not shunnable because you can't be excommunicated from something you didn't join, right? No, no. They just take their commitment very, very seriously, which they I do. think makes a lot of sense. We've talked. I won't restate that that's important. I do have to tell the fastest yeah, run please. spring. Oh, quick. please. And it's that um, one of my favorite stories. And I, I briefly was like, should I even say this? Is it giving too much away? I'm sure it isn't. Um, there was this amazing woman that I knew whom was Amish her whole life. And she had a baby and the baby she named John Wayne. Okay. His name was John Wayne. Sure. 
And then, of course, you know, et cetera. Oh, well, we won't give any other names. I mean, it was his first name. It was like, and my mom thought she was telling her something. And she went to her and she said, whatever her name was, Miriam, I want you to know that John Wayne is the name of an English celebrity. Uh-huh. And we'll call her Miriam. Miriam gets a little smirk on her face. And she says, oh, I know. <laughs> and she said, when I and then she told my mom that when she was on Rumspringa, her and her would be husband actually snuck out and went to the movies and they watched some John Wayne movies and that's where that name had come from. And she knew, but she told mom, "Don't tell anybody," um, because of course I don't Nobody know. Knows. That. But she got a little smirk. She was like, "Oh, I know." And I, I just, if that doesn't sum up a uh, Amish lady, I just, uh, it doesn't sum them up. That's no, it actually, but like, I would say it that honestly it is like, it's so close. Like that's the humor. That's the lighthearted fun. Like it's like, there's the rules, but then like, I don't know. I feel like that gives you a look into the humanity of it because like definitely, of course, other people in the community were aware that there is this English celebrity named John Wayne, right? Like they've seen the world too a little bit. A little bit. But, Probably not all of them though. But not all of them. No, there are definitely there are definitely people that have no idea. Most of them would have no idea, I would guess. But anyway, I just thought, yeah, I love that. Um, just a little little peek at that particular little a little bit. Because this was a dedicated Amish woman, you know, like she was not, she was having her babies and raising them and taking care of that. Like she was doing her thing. She's not out here running around watching these movies now, but you know, wasn't wrong with a little naughty, naughty wink to the past. <laughs> oh my gosh. How when uh, the, fa- so the family that I spent a lot of time with who had previously been English, when they joined the Amish, um, they, uh, let's see. Okay. They were older adults and their son was 16 years old when they decided to join the Amish. So they, and they were wealthy. They were quite well off. Their son had a Porsche and they own their own business and all these things. One day their son who's 16 with a Porsche comes home. They say, uh, we are joining the, the Amish. We have sold your car. We gave our business to the neighbor. We've sold the house. Uh, we, you will now be Amish with us for the next two years till you're 18. And then you can live whatever life you want. But until then, You'll shut your mouth and this. Uh, now you're Amish. Your car is gone. Your friends are gone. That's it. It's so good. You're, yeah, off they it. go into the Amish and they join this very old order that I'm in, right? Not even a liberal or easier Amish. Um, and uh, the boy like cursed and threw fits for a long time. But eventually he actually ended up staying. When I knew him, he was 21 and so was I. So he had decided to stay. He said that he had just been brushing a horse one day in the barn and it, and suddenly he felt so peaceful. He thought I'm all, I will not leave this life. So I thought that was cool, but mm. uh, that was a digression. I was building on what you were saying about little funny nods. Um, so everybody does their laundry and hangs it out on the line, right? Generally you do right. laundry on let's whatever day of the oh, week yeah. it is. I don't even remember now, but let's say it's a Friday. Um, so I think it was Monday actually, but so you know, consider you have a wood stove and a hand pump water, right? So you hand pump buckets of water, you boil them on the stove, you hand wash your laundry, you hang it out on the line. So it is an all day labor intensive job. Everybody else is doing it too. There's a little bit of a social thing about getting your laundry out first, right? There's a little bit of like being the best housewife, because it's so visible if you're getting your chores done, right? 
Um, and so they would hang, but also everyone can see your laundry and they had previously been English. And so she had a red flannel nightgown that she just thought was really cozy. And she was like, yeah, I don't care. I'm sleeping in this nightgown. Everybody can. And they all talked about it. Oh, Debbie, the one with the, uh, yeah, the red nightgown. Yeah. Red nightgown, Debbie, we call her. <laughs> we know about that. Mm -hmm. That is hilarious. Oh my gosh. And then the husband wore boxer shorts. Well, Amish men generally don't wear anything under there. Um, maybe they do in more liberal communities. I don't know, but in, in more strict communities, generally they don't have on undies. Um, women do women have like 18 layers of clothes. Like the Scots. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but men wear what they call broad fall trousers and they don't have underwear on. And so you see that reflected in the laundry day. And so he had all these boxers out on the line every week and they would make fun of him for that too. Like, Hey, how those boxers treating you? <laughs> like not Amish under those clothes, are you? So they would make all these funny jokes about it. And he would always say, it's going to get more than an Amish man to get me out of my underwear. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's amazing. They have great jokes. So speaking of clothing, let me read you my little my little clothing blurb here. The Amish are known for their plain attire. Men wear solid colored shirts, broad brimmed hats, and suits that signify similarity amongst one another. Amish men grow beards to symbolize manhood and marital status, as well as to promote humility. Uh, so that um, they don't wear jewelry at all ever. Um, so a man, when he is married, you know that he's married because he grows a beard. So it's very easy to say that man's married, that man's not married, or that man's newly married because he has a scraggly beard, mm -hmm. right? Um, this article says that women wear black caps until they're married and then they wear white caps. That's not true where I came from and it's not true in a lot of places, but I guess that, that must happen somewhere for someone to have noticed this. Someone felt confident to say that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but that's the thing, right? Like that really varies by community too. I would say the bond, like dramatically, this varies because like in the community that I grew up around, it was like everybody wore white caps for outside um, or I'm sorry for inside. And then when you would go out, you would wear your, oh, your black bonnet. And then you would even wear that secondary, more structured, larger bonnet over the top of that for protection. But that was almost like really protection, not just keeping the hair. Um, but yeah, it was very much like a, where are you right now thing? If you're inside and you're around the ladies and the family, it's fine to have the white on. If you're out of the house, that's when you're bringing out, I'm where I'm, not at my home anymore. I'm wearing my black cap. I'm seeing people and being seen sort of thing. That's really interesting. Um, where did you, did they have closed buggies or open where you were? Both actually. But um, yeah, so I'm guessing open would be the answer there. Cause you know, I think that they just closed them in the. No, if they had closed, winter. then they're allowed to have closed. See, we were not allowed to have closed. That was my mistake. I didn't know that clothes was the way that would be confused. So we did have some people with clothes. Yeah. So then they were a little more liberal and also they had white covers where we were zero white covers ever, um, only black, but in, but also true of in the house, you could even conceivably take your covering off if it, if you're, if you tend toward headaches, but um, generally speaking, your covering's always on, but a lot of times they would wear a black scarf. Ah, inside mm. or a blue you can wear a black or a blue but yes um, that was yeah. and then put on a covering they did that in our community too yeah and i had that big bonnet too yeah i i asked about the buggies partly because to you know these are ways to gauge how liberal a community is 
things like what do the bonnets look like, you know, um, but uh, the bonnets we had, and I've noticed, I've seen other Amish people around who have more smaller, more fussy looking bonnets. There are pleats in them, outer bonnets, black bonnets, outside bonnets. Um, ours are, were extremely plain, but they were actually, and yeah, they go over your whole face and several inches out and they're just a big black tube around your head. Um, but they, I don't know if you ever put one on, but they're actually lined with cardboard. It's like a cardboard bonnet form in there, which is excellent in an open buggy because let me tell you, there is no wind hitting your cold ears when you have a tube of cardboard around your head. It's actually great. Yep. It tunnels it right out. It keeps from like, it's even protective when they're like driving, commanding the buggies themselves. You won't get like that whip of wind in your face as easily because of the extension, the rigid extension of the, of the, not a helmet, but almost like a helmet. It's, it's cool. It's cool. It's very functional. Yeah. Yeah. I really love my bonnet. Yeah. Um, they are so women are to wear calf link dresses, muted colors, along with bonnets and aprons. Prayer caps and bonnets are worn by the women because they are a visual representation of the religious beliefs and promote unity through the tradition of every woman wearing one. The color of the bonnet signifies whether a woman is single or married. See, that's where that's not always true, but it's like unless this person went to some community and that was true, and it's like. Very little holds true across the spectrum. That's how diverse you can find different practices, even from, you know, because we're talking about regionally similar. Um, we're not even talking about, in some of these instances, groups like one's in Pennsylvania and the other one's in Ohio and the other one's in Missouri. Like these communities can vary this this much very close to each other. Like where, in Missouri, where I was from, there was a, I, there were two. There was a community that I was close to. There was there was many communities. One was only about an hour and a half further away, um, and it was way laxer. Like uh, like you already said, we had a little bit more, little bit more room. It was it was far more lax, bordering on Mennonite. Like really close to. They were not. No one was knocking on their door, making sure that they weren't doing anything they weren't supposed to be doing inside. For the most part, it seemed like. So very interesting. As you know, I run a farmers market because we work together there. Um, and obviously in farmers markets, there are Amish vendors often. So uh, we had an Amish vendor in our farmers market who was in a community that was much more liberal up the road from the community I lived in, right? So they knew that I had lived with these Amish. And one day the the mom who was like the most awesome person in the world came to me and she was like, I just have to tell you, I don't know how you lived in that Amish community. If my children, if I joined that Amish community, my children would leave the Amish. We would all die. We couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, really? Is it that different? And then I went to her house and saw how different it was, but she's the one with the couch and the gaslight and the refrigerator. But uh, yeah, she was like, uh, I don't know how you do that. That shit looks awful. <laughs> And it just was funny to hear, you know, but when I am with the Amish that I'm close to, they always make jokes about other Amish. They call them the fast Amish, right? And they, <laughs> you've heard that. I, I haven't heard that term in so long, Jesse, that gave me like a streak of excitement down my spine. I was like, oh yeah, the fast Amish. They did that in, the, in their community too. <laughs> you guys, I only tell Amarin shocking things when she's drinking something. I don't mean to, but exclusively. I it's partially because I'm always drinking coffee literally constantly, so it uh, puts her in, a, in an advantage, but yeah, many spit takes <laughs> are had. One day if we ever release like 
footage for the podcast, you'll find out just how often I do this. It's me spitting a lot. So if you're into that sort of thing, stay tuned. Right. So yes, I, that's funny. A thing that translates across the way, I guess, is uh, the, uh, the, the fast Amish jokes because it's a constant joke for them and their favorite went. So generally speaking, the fastest Amish are in Pennsylvania, right? They're the, because they're, they're almost like the display Amish, right? Like they've got businesses open to the public. Tourists are coming there. They're interacting constantly with them. They almost have to have cell phones because of their businesses. Um, And so, uh, and also a lot of Amish now are no longer agrarian. They're mostly doing construction work these days. And so um, that's, which leaves them to be more modern right now now they've got to have like steam powered tools all of the things anyway so pennsylvania is is associated with being the fastest amish and so it's like a constant running joke forever and ever that you know we often in the amish would say things i guess they do have a little sarcasm because this is kind of an often joke like oh well why don't you just hop in the car and run to the gas station and get that ha 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 and then somebody (laughs) and then somebody would always go well maybe if we were in pennsylvania (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's good i like that yeah i would say that level of sarcasm i did get there was some of that humor that i that i would that, that almost like it's not quite sarcasm it's almost like a fake out it's almost like a out just like a such an outrageous claim it couldn't possibly be true but like after a while, I got comfortable enough with adult Amish people that I was around that I could make jokes like that to them. And I would be like, oh, well, you can just drive over and get it or something like that, you know, and they would just be like, ha, yeah, you know, like, that's exactly what we're going to we're going to drive over there. We're going to get it, you know, like and they would just be like, oh, yeah, you know, and then, yeah, just so funny. I love that. That's so sweet. One of my favorite things is that young Amish men will constantly razz me about being a woman driver (laughs) because I have to drive them because they cannot drive. And so, but they understand that it's an English trope. And so they correctly think it's even funnier when they who cannot drive as adults talk shit about me as a woman driver. They're right. It's double funny, but they really lean into it. (laughs) So they're like, sometimes I have a car full of like young Amish men which I am not complaining about. And <laughs> and they will ride me hard about about the fact that I'm a woman. They'll just be like, wow. Wow. Well, I got a woman at the wheel. Can you go any slower? Are we you thinking about getting there? Is this a buggy? Does any are we in a buggy? I thought I thought this was an English car. We should have taken a buggy, boys. It's we're never gonna get there with this lady at this behind the wheel. Exactly. Yeah. Young Amish boys, man. People don't know. That sounded this this sounds like I'm being weird, but I'm not. Um they are something else. They are a they are a subset of people like I love Amish women, but they have more consistency to them within their life cycles. I would say like I I would say like I would meet a young woman and if she would grow and get married, like she really wouldn't change that much, I would argue. Right. And I would say women make like funny, quippy secret jokes. Yes. And like, I, yeah, I felt like I was let in on jokes as a woman by other uh, women that were Amish. Um, definitely. But yeah, with like Amish teen boys, 
especially like it's just a it's just a different life in where I was if you saw a young man here's how you knew if it was like a teen boy um from afar because you're seeing these people from a distance where I'm at okay there's not a lot of people around I don't know what Amish community looks like in your mind listener but it's not hopping all the time um (laughs) and if you see like we would see like a gang of like teen Amish boys riding horseback because that's something that like a married Amish man just wouldn't be doing unless he was working the field very much like just riding a saddled horse Um, but it is something that like teen boys will do and it's almost like taking your uh, car out they can yes it's almost like taking your car out your like sexy little car out for a drive Uh so you'll hear them coming by in our community they could have a radio on rooms yeah of course and they'd (laughs) hook a radio around the saddle horn and they'd be chain smoking cigarettes going (laughs) one mile an hour just clop 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 down the road and i good lord sometimes i'd take cover sometimes i'd hear him coming and i'd be like i gotta get out of here the teens are they're on the way <laughs> anyway, I, it's a fun, fun memory watching the gang of young Amish men on Rumspringers chain smoking their way down the greatest country hits uh, of the farm road I lived on. Amazing. They can be a rowdy, funny bunch. Uh, one time they were unintentionally funny in my car. We were driving and they were kind of playing with the electric windows in my car because they don't get to do that a lot and it was fun and interesting to them so they're playing with my electric windows in my car as we're driving through hills on their land to get to a house we're going to and they broke one of my windows by like playing with it too much and i have an old car and uh it's a jeep and uh they said oh uh i think we broke one of your windows and i was like oh okay cool (laughs) you know like trying to be polite and one of them was like i think as soon as you go down that hill it'll be fixed again. Cause it seemed like when you went up the hill was when it broke. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> that's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> wow. This is, this really is. At first I was like, I, you said like, I don't have that much material. And I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? And here we are an hour and 10 minutes in. And literally, it, I hope people listening are having as much fun listening to us recount our encounters with the with the Amish as I am. They certainly aren't having as much fun as I am reminiscing, but I hope they're having a sliver of as much fun as I am. <laughs> Same, guys. Apologies if this isn't your bag. You've joined the wrong community if it is. Um, I'll say, uh, let me get to the end of the little clothing here because we have <laughs> so much to say. All clothing is sewn by hand, but the way to fashion the garment widely depends on whether the Amish person is in part of the new order or old order Amish. Old order Amish seldom, if ever, use buttons because they are seen as too flashy. They do not use zippers. Instead, they use the hook and eye approach fashion for clothing their clothes or metal snaps. New order are slightly more progressive and allow buttons for some clothing. So where I stayed, certainly no buttons or zippers at all. Um, I think the men may have had buttons on their outer coats. Everything was obviously handmade. Um, In fact, several of my Amish dresses that I still have are, um, the reason I have them is that they were gifted to me because uh, a woman had bought them and made her dress and didn't realize that there's a slight color fleck in the material. It's a slight blend of dark blue and black. 
which is against the rules. So she was like, you know, I could wear it in the barn, but I can't wear it anywhere else. So I'll just give it to you. Uh, so very, very, very strict. So when I um, also the dress pattern has not changed since the 1600s. It is the 1600s dress pattern. It just gets carried down. So my dress, if I'm getting dressed in the morning and I'm wearing my Amish clothes, I would put on black knee high tights and then I would put on um, plain underwear and, and well, they don't usually wear bras, but I did because um, I was I don't like my boobs all up in my grill. I just they get in my way and I like to strap them down and not think about them. Um, so you can wear a bra if you want to, but you may or may not as an Amish person. Anyway, um, plain underwear, bra, then I would wear um, oh, just a white, thin muslin kind of slip dress, just a plain white slip. Then you put on your dress, which is one piece. It has a little stitched bustle in the back. Um, it's It's stitched so that the skirt poofs out a little bit and the bodice is structured and shaped like an 18th century dress might look to you. Um, so then um, you close, it opens in the front. So you close it in the front with hooks and eyes. And then you have an arsenal of straight pins. And between each hook and eye, you slip a straight pin to secure it extra closed. Then you put on your apron over that. The apron goes up, not down near your hips, but up kind of un close to under your boobs. Um, you wrap the apron strings around your waist and tie your apron string in front. And that's something Amish people would test me on. If I'd go into their house and they'd say, oh, you're that girl that used to live with the Amish. And I would say, yes. They would say, oh, here, put this apron on. And to see if I tie it in the back like an English person or in the front like an Amish person. So you tie it in the front. You wrap it around your waist, tie it in the front. And then you... Um, you, the, there are just these little pieces of fabric in the back that are stitched on as like a fake bustle that you pull out and lay over the apron so it all looks neat and tight. Then you straight pin your apron into place. You probably put a few straight pins in your bonnet or in your prayer cap. And that is how you're dressed for the day. And you're covered to your very top of your neck, down to your wrists, down to above your ankles. Um, you can roll your sleeves up to your elbows if it's hot. Um, if you're going to church, you would also put a cape on over your top, which is, um, it's hard to describe, but it's just a piece of fabric that goes over your front and back um, that you'd also safety pin into place. So then um, they discipline their children quite severely. Their children are perfectly behaved. They're rambunctious, fun children, but they are perfectly obedient at all times they make me feel like a when bad their mom. parents are around well, absolutely yes that's true they're quite rambunctious when their parents are around. yes <laughs> <laughs> so they um but uh, one way that i saw a lot of moms discipline their kids is to just pull a straight pin out and stab them uh at at any moment of infraction um one time another incredible amish woman summary i'll just say before you get into the story oh yeah no absolutely that's true one time i was at church and i was sitting on uh one of the skinny backless benches sitting in church and i was looking across so i'm in the back room because the women sit on the sides in the back so in the back bedroom there's always one bedroom on the main floor that's the 
man and wife of the house, that's their room. So the, obviously there's a bed in there. So when you come into church, everybody piles their babies on top of the bed. It's just a heap of Amish babies. Indistinguishable. All, baby, all the time. You don't know if you're going home with your baby. Does it matter? I don't know. It would be it's, anybody. It's just a pile of identically dressed, adorable little Amish babies. And by the way, boys are dressed in the same dresses and prayer caps as girls till they're like two. So truly identical pile of babies. Um, and... You know, little kids can roam around a little bit. They get the same Cheerio necklaces that we got in our churches, you know, at, at Sunday school, you know, where you make a necklace out of Cheerios and then you chew on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Church is very long, uh, like about five hours. So and you're sitting on a backless bench. So everybody is allotted two bathroom breaks. And so usually the younger girls, which I was, go in groups so that they can like chat and take a little time off. So um, you go out to the outhouse. Most outhouses are three seaters. And so you go out to the outhouse with your friends, you use the outhouse and then you kind of mill about a little bit and kind of stretch and then go back in and go to church. So anyway, we're doing all that. I'm in the back and this woman has her new baby, right? Pretty young baby. She's still holding it a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and she's playing with the baby and the baby's cute. Basically, she's kind of distracted and doesn't really have to sit still or listen to the service like everybody else has to because she's being a good mom and taking care of her kid. And then her kid like dozes off and goes to sleep. Right. So she's like mm -hmm. sitting there a little bit, sits there a little bit. And then I see her like kind of trying to jostle the baby and wake it up because she's bored. And she's like, mm -hmm. could you need me so I could need to go outside again? <laughs> right? So wake up. Come on. Yep. So the baby won't wake up. So she pulls a straight pin out of her dress, stabs the baby. <laughs> and the baby's like, ah! you know, she's like, oh, sorry, everybody. I should get this kid out of here. It's so loud. So <laughs> oh, darn, disrupting the meeting. I, I better go. I need to be yeah. respectful. So she takes now, the baby What can out. I say? Motherhood calls. <laughs> straight pin still in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Picking out of the baby's shoulder. So she takes the baby out. She gets her break. She comes back in. Now the baby's fussy and won't go back to sleep. So she gets up and dumps it in the dad's lap in the men's room and comes and sits back down. <laughs> See, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Work in the system. I'm baby. telling you, those Work in the church system. just endlessly useful. Yeah. So great times. Here's my last church story. And then I'll, well, Close, probably the last church is like the most beautiful, amazing experience in the universe. And when they do communion, they also wash each other's feet, which is amazing and beautiful. Um, all of the hymns are in, as we said, a high German. Here's the coolest thing in. Uh, okay. So the be the bench wagon comes, everybody fills in all the benches so that everybody can sit down. Then also a black two black um, wooden chests. They look just like the ones in the village. Exactly. They look like mysterious secret horror movie chests. They're these old black chests made of wood. You open them up mm -hmm. and they're full of thick, uh, hardbound, black, small books. Those are called the Ausbunds. The Ausbund is the Amish hymnal. Oh, so everybody gets their Ausbund, which you need because, I mean, it's, it's thick. It's, it's, what is this? It's like, three or four inches thick, right? Um, okay. little, little, yeah. little square book, three or four inches thick. That's the Aspen. And it is a book with containing every single hymn that the Amish sing written in old high German, which they can hmm. read for the purposes of singing these hymns, 
but they all know the hymns by heart, but they still follow along mm-hmm. like you would with any hymnal in any church. Like, let me refresh myself, right? right? Um, so they pass out the Ospens. Everybody has one at every single church service. Also, so church is every other week and you have church five or six hours in the morning, very long communal meal served by the family hosting church that week. After that, couple more hours hanging out, eating the communal meal in shifts, then you go home and take a nap. Then at night, back at that house is the singing, which is like a height of Amish young people culture. The singing is back at the house and it's only for young dating couples and it is for them to go on a date. And so you go there yes. and you have a blast and you sing till one in the morning and you just sing. You have snacks, you sing, you have fun. It's like the funnest, coolest. It's my favorite party in the world. Um, so that's how that works. Yeah. If this sounds ridiculous to to anyone listening, it isn't. This is so real. You know, like I I think that sometimes I don't know. This was a thing in the church that I grew up in as well. Uh, Hemsinks. Well, I'm saying this a part of what uh, the church I grew up in. Um, so so not just around, but in. Um, yeah, which a very special thing. So like hemsinks, especially youth hemsinks that are designated for young people specifically as a as a community bonding piece and also a way for young people to come together and just like be sometimes we've all been young for the most part um it is a nice way to just sort of exist and be while doing something that is sacred which is really nice and important to religious groups obviously that makes sense (laughs) and thank you for using the word sacred because when you are in this space Sacred is something that you feel so much, even just in an Amish home, which is so plain and so specific. It feels sacred all the time. And that is what I loved. And that is what I miss the most. Um, You know, I am a cautionary tale in the Amish now. Like they they introduce me to people as like, this is Jessie, you know, her husband left her. She only gets to have one child. She never gets to be married again. You know, she didn't join the Amish like that's. (laughs) <laughs> they introduce me to people like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, we heard about you. <laughs> so, you know, but they're not entirely wrong. If I'd stayed, I'd be in a family and I would feel sacred. And and the church, the singings do feel sacred. W- what's not sacred about people singing together? It's beautiful. Um, at the singings at night, they sing a lot of English hymns and folk songs. But in the morning, they don't sing anything in English. They only sing from the Ausbund. It's in high German. And I didn't know this at the time, but this is specific to the church I was in. The Swiss Amish are called such because they're in fact more Swiss and they yodel as they sing. I assumed this was all Amish, but apparently it's more the Swiss Amish. They yodel. It's the, I can't imitate it. And you should Google it and find some voice samples of it. You can YouTube Amish church singing and hear samples of it. It, it is real yodeling like that deep. I can't do it. I'm not going to try it, but um, it's real yodeling from the throat. And so when they sing the, the hymns, there is no musical notation in the Ausbund. So they have been the the songs that they are singing are identical to the songs they sang in the 1600s and they have simply been singing them through generation after generation mm. for 400 years mm-hmm. almost 5 now yes um with no musical notation 
but the songs are not forgotten or changed because mm-hmm. they have not, they have consistently sung them. So it's an interesting, the hymnals have no music. They're just words. Uh, but, but here's the other thing. You really have to know the song because you read the word and it's a two syllable word, but the second syllable goes, ah, 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 comes back for more. Yes. Yeah. So every single, so I just all, always someone else would hold an aspen for me, hold their finger on the syllable and just keep their finger there for me. So I'd understand when to shift to the next so that I could sing with them. But it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, that was all. And then when the preacher talks, they don't talk. They actually uh, sway back and forth uh, and like do a sing song. All in high German, but it's a, it's a sing song the whole time which really makes you sleepy, which is why that lady stabbed her baby. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I say all that to say, I'm going to get to the end of this and we will wrap it up pretty soon. But <laughs> on my very first day of Amish church, which meant the world to me, uh, mm-hmm. let me back this up. Two things about my first day of Amish church. Thing one, I went to the family who had previously been English, but I'd been Amish for 20 years. I'd been there the day before. Have I told you this story on here? We were baking bread. I think we talked about this in the midsummer episode, but I want to hear it again. We were baking bread the day before. Yes. Lots of loaves of bread. They had a bakery. Yes. Um, she had 19 children at the time. Whew. The next morning, I got there at like 530 in the morning because we were going to walk to church because it was only a mile or so. Um, and I was going with the teenage girls. I was doing at the time what you call in the Amish following church. If you're going to join the church you follow church for one year, which is you attend every service for a year because they're actually a little lax. You don't always have to go to church if you don't, if you're not feeling it. Um, but you go every, every uh, Sunday for a year and then you are allowed to accept baptism into the church. Right. So I was right. following church. So I was going to go with the young people. I was always with the young people. Um, I got there at like five thirty in the morning to go to church. The dad comes out. He says, Oh, I'm sorry. We're not going to go to church today because my wife had a baby like an hour ago. Oh. Uh, so you'll have to go up the road to go to, with the bishop and their kids. <laughs> Though I had baked bread with this woman the day before all day. She all had day. to be in labor. I didn't even know she was pregnant. I did not know she was pregnant. She had to be in labor. It's nothing. Just <laughs> just that is life. She was just there. making it happen. Yep. She yeah, was just rolling it was pretty with it. impressive. And then, so then we went out. So then I did go over to the bishops and I did ride in the buggy with the teenagers. And, you know, so I'm in the buggy with the teenagers, which they will pile like 15 people onto two buggy seats. You literally just sit on top of lap on top of lap. And so, and it's a topless buggy. So we're just, it's very, very bouncy and very, very loud. Buggies are, I don't, all these Amish movies where they're like, oh, so sweet and peaceful. Like buggies are so loud. You have to yell to be heard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're super loud. They're super bouncy. You get a major core workout. You've got to hang on the whole time. Yes. Yes. You know, those things, those machines that they would put on people, they were kind of scammy. And it was like that they would be kind of like, like, shake you and you're supposed to lose weight. That's actually the ab shaker. Yeah. Like the deductor thing. That is exact. That is actually the original ab shaker is a buggy. 
um, literally the core workout that is just you just like shaking around and it's so loud and you're just flipping around everywhere. It's ridiculous. You can't hear a thing. And then usually you've got, if it's like cold at all, you got to have something on your head. So there's got to be something over your ears, like the bug, like the bonus, like we've talked about. Then you really can't hear. So anyway, I, just, I love that note. Yeah. So we were riding on the buggy and every time the parents would disappear around a corner, they would just hit those horses and we would shoom, just fly and we'd take corners insanely too hard and everybody would be like, (laughs) and then the parents would come back into view and we'd slow it down and trot. And so we're driving there and um, this girl, Lydia, who was my closest friend there, who has like 16 kids in her own farm now. Um, at the time, we're both 21. You know, she's dating her boyfriend. I'm dating my boyfriend. We're talking. And she says, uh, she says, this must all feel like a dream to you. And I said, yeah, it, it does. It's pretty crazy. And she said, well, you can ask me anything you want about the Amish. I'll tell you. And I said, well, you can ask me anything you want about the English. And I'll tell you. And she said, I, I don't want to know anything. And I was like, you don't want to know anything. And she was like, no, I don't. I'm not interested. And I said, you don't, I was like, you don't want to know what it's like to like, just what it's like to drive a car. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't want to go to hell. And I was like, cool. Yes. No, I will stop razzing you. Got it. Got it. Yep. So you are set and I'm going to just go over there. Uh, my bad. <laughs> yeah. And then um, years later when she was having kids and I was afraid of childbirth because I had attended a lot of births and I understood look scary to me. So I said, you know, how, how did it go for you? Was it scary? Was it hard? And she said, you know, I just every time I'm I'm crowning and it's really hard, I just think to myself, if Jesus could be nailed to a cross, I can surely go through this. I was like, I don't think that's going to help me. But <laughs> you know what? I'm not that gal. Yeah, like I <laughs> Whoa. It's not yeah, that's impressive. Wow, amazing. That is truly badass. Yeah, I love yeah, that. I'd love to be. I would love to be. Good for her. She was a badass. She was a badass. Um, Yeah, I have another friend also named Lydia whose buggy tipped over with all her kids in it and her disabled husband because there are a lot of genetic disorders in the Amish communities and, and he couldn't use his legs very well. She righted the buggy out of a ditch by herself and then got all of her kids back into it. Side note, I'm just telling stories. I'm sorry, I'll stop soon. The Amish are not politically correct in any way, like at all. And so um, they say things like, oh, he's crippled. You should buy that thing from him. It's how he makes his money. He's crippled. And so her husband um, cannot use his legs very well. It's a common problem in their community um, or common enough. Uh, And so I was at their house one day and they were all, we were all going up a staircase. And so as we're all going up the staircase, one of the men grabbed him around the chest and just dragged him up the staircase like a mannequin with his hit, feet like hitting the oh. stairs all the way up. Woo. And they saw me kind of, I think I made a face, you know, I was like, oh, the, okay, this is happening. This is how <laughs> we're doing one it. Of them, all right. One of them looks at me and goes, it's faster. It's faster. What's up? I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? 
Yeah. They are all practical all the time. It's faster. I don't It's fine. Can I help He's you? He's cool with it. I'm cool with it. I don't know what you want here, lady. Yeah. Can we Nobody help? Nobody here wants to watch him work on the stairs all day. He's He's up there now, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> I love it. Practical. Practical, baby. So wrapping up my first day of church story. I go to church, all the stuff. It's amazing. I'm happy as a clam. Toward the end, um, I get the special treatment of getting to go down. So there's a large communal meal after church and the like a couple of teenage girls or un, unbaptized girls get to go down into the cellar and um, prepare the meal, like slice the cheese, slice the bread, get stuff ready before. So they get to basically bail on church like 45 minutes earlier, which again is like what you're going for. Right. Um, and so I get to be one of the girls that goes down. Right. So. That's very special. They did me a favor. So I go down and I, this is my first day in Amish church. This is my dream. I'm in an Amish outfit. Everybody around me is in head coverings and Amish clothes. We're in a cellar. It's all hand canned goods and a hanging bathtub on the wall and water by pump. And we're slicing homemade cheese and homemade bread. And I'm, there's literally just a kerosene lantern and a candle for light. It's the best thing I've ever seen. I hear the Amish church in German upstairs. And then somebody pulls out what a case of Pepsi. What are you talking about? And they were like, hey, do you want a Pepsi? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, how dare you? I'm here to be Amish. And they were like, what? Pepsi's good. Like, So, which leads me to the last thing that I want to say about the Amish uh, myself, which is, um, I should have, I guess, started with this. I should have led with this. I'm going to end with it. Um People get onto the Amish a lot like, oh, they'll drive in your car. You know, they'll ride in your car. They'll talk on your cell phone. Oh, they shop at Walmart. So every single thing that the Amish decide in their ordnung is from beginning to end and with no other shading, it is for one reason. It's not that they think it's what God wants of them. They don't think technology is inherently sinful. They don't care what the English do or don't do. They care that their culture and community stay exactly how it is and not dilute, which would disappear them very quickly into date. If they diluted, they'd lose their people very quickly. I really miss listening to Bob Marley when I lived with the Amish because I otherwise was living in communes. But I would look around at them and think like, yeah, if we all started enjoying Bob Marley, the Amish would cease to exist. That's an actual thing. That's a real they have to really hang on. So every single decision they make is not a decision of like, oh, we think God doesn't want us to have cell phones. It's very much, if I talk to you on a phone, we are no longer having face-to-face discussions. If we're no longer having face-to-face discussions, we're going to be a lot more apt to gossip. We're going to be a lot more apt to complain. We're going to be, and and then consider this, now I have a, a cell phone bill, right? Now I've got to pay for that. The, um, when I lived in, the house with the English, previously English people. Um, she and I were doing laundry all day, which is an all day, very hard job. And we, having both been English, we were both like, man, boy, we could just, if we were English, we could just toss this in a washer and go on with our day. But then we were like, no, we couldn't because we'd be at our job paying for that washer and that running hot water and the car we have to have to get to the job. No, we wouldn't be relaxing. We'd be paying for that washer. And instead we choose to be home washing our clothes. You know, it's a choice you make and it's a choice for culture and community. And that's what every single Amish decision and rule is about. 
which I think is great. And so, you know, people can be really harsh on the Amish and say that they're hypocrites. And, and we won't go into the fact that, you know, abuse can happen there as in any cloistered community. Um, certainly everybody has their dark sides, including the Amish. Um, but there are plenty of documentaries about that. I didn't want to, I wanted to talk about the life and the culture in general today and not, not that, but it exists. Um, bad things happen in, in any cloistered community and absolutely including the Amish. Although I never saw that myself, I lived with lovely people. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. So all Amish decisions, the, when you see people that look so different, well, they have to, or, or they will very quickly dissolve into the modern world. And it is a really beautiful culture. It's, it's something that I love. You know, when my husband left, they called me immediately and said, you know, you can still join the Amish, but you can't ever get married again. <laughs> and I, I didn't join the Amish in the first place for fear that I was so young, I might marry an Amish man change my mind, ruin his life, because then we'd both be shunned. Um, and so I, that's why I chose not to join the Amish. But, you know, I might consider that my biggest mistake in life. And they certainly do. <laughs> yeah, Amarin, any, um, any other, I kind of hogged the whole platform. And there's a million more stories I could tell. But I sure do love the Amish. I want to be clear that I don't speak for them. I was not raised Amish. I don't know all the ins and outs. I lived in a community that I considered joining and I'm still friends with them. Um, but I, I have not. only love for them. <laughs> um, and I'm very happy I, with them there still. I do love you? the Amish. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you, very in, are you joining much. the Amish? Obviously for me, there is an additional okay. <laughs> level of nostalgia that comes into talking about the Amish because when I talk about the Amish, I'm talking about what was a large and defining part of my upbringing, my childhood, where I was raised in the home that I'm telling you about that is was in the Amish community is where I was raised for the majority of my life. So I that was context that really we didn't have. So they're they're near and dear to me, especially that very specific um, thread of the <laughs> of the Amish is very special to me. But then of course, um, I think you know it makes sense as somebody that was a fan of the Anabaptists when we talked about them and also a big Quaker person myself, which is, um, you know, it's all within the same tree, the big tree as we're discovering. Um, I know I'm not far from being in on this group. Um, I personally, I, I absolutely, as I already expressed, I revere the whole self-denial component of the Amish faith. I love what you were talking about with not putting yourself forward and not being proud and all of that. I think in practice that is so beautiful and I'm so impressed by it. And I personally don't need to do it. Hokmut, yes. Mm -hmm. This I personally just don't. I am like, I respect that so much. I'm going to do whatever I want um, and, and be like super arrogant about it. Not really, but like be, be proud about it and stuff. So like that, I would say that it's like just a disconnect between like 
and maybe this is like they probably be like she's too youthful you know like this is just vanity and youth um and they might be a hundred percent dead on i don't know <laughs> um but um yeah that's kind of the space that i find myself in whenever i think about the amish i personally am not like an in but i very much am a spend time with the amish when offered the opportunity to and be deeply respectful of their spaces and their customs and what's normal for them and just eat it up i eat it up and i oh any day i can get a couple jokes from the amish community (laughs) is a a good good day day. i miss i miss that weird particular sense of unique humor i really do (laughs) man it is the best it is such a joy i remember one time um a, a woman's kid was like up on the barn beam of the top of the roof. And she was like yelling at her husband. She was like, could you get your kid down off the top of the roof? And he goes, why? They're fine up there. It's just that hard stop at the end. That's a problem. Yes. No, I, yeah, I love it. I love the Amish. I want to tell one final tiny tiny story on my end and that's one of my favorite things to say about living near the Amish was about the church Sunday um Amish just are just like us they're just like you and me um they (laughs) they run late for things too and the way that you would find out um just how many people in the community weren't on time that morning was the rate of the horse hoof clopping going by the front house so at like seven (laughs) in the morning depending on when they're starting church which it usually was like nine where we were at like seven Uh in the morning you would hear the first slow clip 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 and those were like the elders <laughs> though were the, those were the older people yeah they are arriving they're probably going to like set up for the lunch afterwards too you know they're going early <laughs> and then you know a little bit later goes by and you hear the clip 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 you know and it's like the normal normal and you're like okay now th- these are some families on their way but then you do hit a little bit later you're getting a little closer to time and suddenly it the the, the rafters are shit you're like you know like you know and then you hear them by um just trying to make it to their make it to the church service and sometimes yeah you'd have like a couple in a row and it was all it would always be so funny our our meetings always started like an hour after theirs so we get to watch yeah. the full procession of them making their way there before we had to worry about us so a lot of fun that a is fun. fabulous yes. okay here's my very last one and it takes less than a minute anytime that my very favorite ongoing Amish joke is that anytime I'm driving them around places around the countryside we're in rural places and so often we go by like hog farms or places that literally smell like shit like very strong scent of shit and anytime we go through it, some Amish person in my car will sniff real loud and go, <laughs> Oh like my money. gosh. Wow. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Smells like money. <laughs> Smells like money. <laughs> well, got a good hog farm. <laughs> All right. Just give me a one to 10 aesthetic. That's my last question. Yeah, they're going to get pretty high, actually, for aesthetics. I'm going to have to give, I mean, like, it does vary community to community, like the setting. And I think that I think that setting for the Amish is really important, I'd argue, um, when it comes to aesthetic, because of how how plain they themselves, like, I wouldn't want to rate the Amish aesthetically personally outside of like clothing items which we'll i'm gonna briefly talk touch on um because i know that they wouldn't like that um so i i would say yes i would say um love 
love. Um, with the clothing especially, I'm a big fan of the dresses myself. I like the muted colors. I love to see them all out on the line like you were talking about drying. Like, oh, it's just so amazing. So I'm probably going to go like eight, honestly, aesthetic. Um, it's high. but I mean, not for you, but it's high. It, it's a high aesthetic rating, but I don't know. Amish communities, man, they're very beautiful. They are. I'm obviously a 10 and I haven't discounted retiring to the Amish. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Amran, thank you so much for talking all things Anabaptist and Amish with me today. You are so welcome. I um, just want to leave our listeners with another, with a final note, and that is that if you are interested in getting to know the Amish, um, there are places, mainly in Pennsylvania, where they are open towards visitors. Um, however, I do. Just want to say really quickly, if you go into an Amish community, um, they are worry of outsiders a little bit. Jesse and I are speaking from a position of great privilege is just something I want to address here. Being able to be a part of these communities in a way that they that they were trusting us and interacting with us as members of the community Um I wouldn't take that for granted. Um, and I just want to express that for one thing. So one, this is a position of privilege we speak from, um, mainly speaking for myself. And two, um, I this is a pretty well-known thing about the Amish, but if you do go into an Amish community, it is never under any circumstances appropriate to photograph them. Um, Thank you for saying that. I forgot. And they are very, it's very aesthetic. And I just wanted to say that post saying the aesthetic thing because it's so aesthetic and they, they're so beautiful. They yeah. are beautiful. And sometimes you'll just see the most beautiful children you've ever seen, or you, you'll see a beautiful woman and she's working hard and she's hanging up the laundry on the line. And they'll be like, gosh, what a beautiful photo. This happened to me constantly uh, as, a, yeah, as an yeah. adult <laughs> living back at home when COVID broke out. Um, but just don't do that. It's very serious for them. Um, even if their faces are not directly in the photo, it's very serious for them. So if you do visit, make sure it's a place where they're wanting you to come. Uh, obviously, I feel like everybody knows that common sense piece, but less more common sense, um, less more. No photos. So, so true. Don't, yeah, no, like passing them on the street. Just don't do it. Um, they regularly have me come over and photograph like pre-wedding stuff for them. Never, 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 never a person ever. Um, you could say to an Amish person, if you had any rapport at all, like, would you mind me taking a picture of your horse? It's so pretty. And they'll probably tell you, yes, that's fine. But don't ever just pull out a camera and don't ever take a picture of even their leg. It's not okay. Um, and I, uh, on that same note, Amron is right. I, I was allowed so easily into the community because I already lived in a place that was outside of society and I already didn't have cars or flush toilets. That was very specific. That's why they were so easy to let me in. That's not the case for everybody. I am what they call a seeker. That's a real thing that they have a title for. Um, but generally speaking, no, you're not getting that kind of access. You can you, anyone can go and join the Amish, but don't be like a douchey tourist just because you're curious about it. There are places for you to literally be a tourist and pay for the experience. Stick to that. Um, if you're interested, I did uh, bring my little book when I was going to join. The Amish had me read a book called Amish Society. It is by John A. Hostetler. You can get it at any Barnes and Noble. Um, it's that is what it's called. Amish Society by John A. Hostetler. He writes a lot on the Amish. This is what the Amish told me to read as the kind of definitive breakdown of what it's like to be Amish. That and the Martyr's Mirror. 
uh, which is about their their martyrs. So if you are truly interested, those are your two go-to sources. So say the Amish. Yes, that is fantastic. Thank you for that. I saw when I said, if you want to see the Amish, I saw in the camera, Jesse began to uh, reach for some things. And I was like, oh, the queen is prepared as usual for this one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I am so glad we talked about this today. I It was a hefty one, ladies and gentlemen. I see we are about one hour and 50 minutes in. So if you made it this far, um thank you we're not sorry sorry not sorry um expect more of this goodness um but also i don't know if we're both going to have this much overlapping experience with a group that we talk about ever again until we do a uh another amish episode (laughs) right right so you we won't drag you this far along next time but hopefully you enjoyed it um guys uh peace be unto all of you amarin i hope you have the best week ever and uh danke shane danke shane (laughs) (laughs) i said danke shane If you are loving Coldside Join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at Coldside Join on the .com, the Facebook, and the Insta, and then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb, and the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening, and happy culting! Cult, I join.